Throughout my adult life, my focus has been on making the world a more beautiful place. Initially, I pursued this goal as a hairstylist, working on the external appearance of individuals to make them feel more beautiful. However, I wanted more, so I began to shift my focus to helping people make better choices and achieve greater beauty from within. As a transformational life coach, I specialize in helping you identify and change the limiting beliefs that may be holding you back. Join me each week as we discuss, interview, teach, and explore the fundamental principles of healthy relationships. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Louisa. In today's episode of Conscious Conversations with Louisa, I'm speaking with Elias. I have known you now, how long? Like almost a year. About a year, yes. Watch the transformation from where you were to where you are today. And yesterday we were having a conversation and I was physically lit up to, and so inspired to share your story with the world. So we are here just as an opportunity to hear your story. So give us a little bit of background about you. I'll try to keep it short, but thank you for having me on. It's awesome um, talking to you all the time. I love interacting with you and your energy. It definitely motivates me and um, makes me want to go out and uh, achieve more, just to, just to tell you. you that. So it's <laughs> awesome. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot to it. About 10 years ago, my life was turned upside down. I went from... Um, doing everything in the household. I was, I was a stay home dad. And, um, so I took care of my two sons and then I would take care of the house. Um, all the things in the house, mowing the lawn, you know, clean, cooking and cleaning did most, actually most of it. And I wouldn't say all of it. And, um, I was running myself ragged literally from one week to the next week. Um, I developed some pains. Um, I, I very, I specifically remember the day it happened i went for a motorcycle ride um and in southern california so it's not too cold but it was it was about 50 50 degrees and it was raining and uh but the very next day i went off-roading um in the snow and by midday my hands were were sore and they're getting clenched so i just figured it was just from motorcycle riding i was holding on to the grips too too tight and a couple days later uh they didn't, it, the pain didn't go away, which my body normally, I can tell when I get an injury, the pain will spike and then it'll go down. And it didn't, it stood where it was. And then it crept up a little bit. And I just immediately was like, this is, this is not right. There's something wrong. I knew it within a couple of days. I like, there's something wrong. My body's giving me feedback. So I had my ex-wife, um, my wife at the time, uh, uh, make a doctor's appointment. I didn't have a regular doctor cause I wasn't sick. I didn't need to go. I didn't go for years. And um, by the time I got to the doctor, I believe it was about a week later, um, my hands and my feet were in so much pain um, that I just felt like I wanted to chop them off. Um, they were burning, hurting, stabbing. And I could barely get out of bed. So by the time I went to the doctors, I was literally hobbling in, just trying to, to make it. Um, and from that point on, it just my health deteriorated just down, down to probably, um, probably about seven years of trying to, to heal where it just hit the, hit the lowest point. How um, old were you? So, How old were you just for reference? Oh, 40, 40. 40. So, so oh, about 40 young. and I'm, yeah, I'm 50 now. So it was right, right about 10 years ago. 
Okay. This happened. And then, so then I, um, you know, right about 2019 is right about in, into 2019, right before COVID happened, I made a decision just to get my body up and going. And I just started working myself out. And it's been years, years in the making to be able to get me um, out of bed and actually exercising on the, and, and having a daily routine where I'm not laying in bed literally for 10 hours, not at night, but during the day. Well, I know when we were talking, it they literally thought you were dying. So it wasn't like you just could do it. They thought you were dying. Pretty much so. My 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 body was breaking down. My you can feel your organs. I felt my organs breaking down. And there's different parts of it. My my breath was getting really shallow. Um, my heart rate was high. Um, I had and then super low blood pressure. And then um, they did find autoimmune. Um, issues, but those are just symptoms and response in your body being inflamed. Um, I do have neuropathy, which is um, nerve damage. I have motory, motor and sensory uh, neuropathy. So, you know, the nervous system sends signals throughout your body and that affects your whole, your whole system. And even with my brain, I even know, um, I won't get too deep into it, but literally from one day to the next day, I felt my brain change literally overnight. I could not think the same thoughts that I could the day before. I could not feel the same feelings I did before unless I really, really, really tried. So my whole body, my whole nervous system was just out of whack. Wow. Wow. I know yesterday when one of the questions I asked you was, what was the defining moment where you were just like, life had to be different and there was a defining moment and it was fascinating because it's so powerful to me, your answer that I was fascinated. It wasn't the first thing you shared. So, but I do remember being so taken aback at your answer. Can we visit that conversation? I was thinking about that after I told you, and um, I think I only told one other person ever ever for maybe two, but um, yes. Yeah, so going through, going through my physical stuff, um, it kind of really set me off in a spiritual path, um, really questioning life and what I'm doing and what's going on. Because when you're facing death, I mean, there's really nothing else to think about other than your purpose and why I'm here and what's going to happen, you know, um, and what my life meant so far and what will it mean when I'm dying? So when I was going through all this stuff, I'm questioning life, um, you know, uh, the meaning of life, uh, my existence and everybody else's existence, just the whole existentialism, you know, question and stuff like that, which I've been through many times before. And so it's not like the first time, even as a kid. And so as I'm going through that, my body is going through so much stuff. I am, I am receiving information that I have no idea where I'm getting it from. I'm closing my eyes. <clears throat> Excuse me. When I close my eyes, I'm instantly somewhere else. Like when I say somewhere else, like it's, you could say it's an auto, out of body experience, but I'm like, I will see visions, images and things happening. And it's not like a dream. People compare things to a dream. No way. It's like literally physically, if you were looking right here and you're seeing everything, that's how real it would happen. And so there wasn't, there was never anything. I should say never. Most of the time it was always things that fit in this physical realm. So like there's gravity here. You can see things, there's reflections, you know, people walking, cars moving and stuff like that. So 
and it was happening more and more and more where I was closing my eyes and I was end up somewhere, somewhere else. I would see things. One time I saw um, uh, pyramids, pyramids. I had no idea there were ancient pyramids and, and I'm looking around and I can see the pyramid on my right and pillars on my left. And I can literally describe, describe them. And usually that, that happened for like five or five seconds, just really quickly. So it was happening more and more where I didn't want to close my eyes. I didn't want to go to sleep. I had no idea where I was going. My body shutting down and, you know, all the signs are pointing to me leaving this, this world. I, like, I just knew it. Um, and finally, this one time where I, I couldn't stop it, I, in the middle of the day, I laid down. I was in so much pain. I laid down and I remember looking up at the ceiling and, and thinking, I very well may be like on my way out very soon. I close my eyes and I feel my body moving through, through the, um, the room, through the roof. And I see my house, literally see my house as I'm pulling away. And I see the whole world wrapped in the circles. I'm pulling away. And then I start seeing the stars and I start seeing planets. And then I start seeing it all wrapped around and i see this energy this tube of energy is literally like light energy which was this this timeline that we're in and i i'm looking down one direction and i knew exactly it's like where i could see and then where it started turning gray where i couldn't see anymore and it was right about 1944 42 or 44 i forgot where exactly and then i look the other direction and it was 2050 and then it started getting gray but i saw the whole tube and yes, how those are significant, I have no idea. So I'm looking at this, and as I'm pulling away, there's just this great understanding of what life is meant and what life is about. And I literally had no more questions. I understood what life is. There was just no words for it. There was no conversation in my head. And when I saw that, it's like, it was like all my problems, all my worldly problems weren't even there. Imagine never not having emotions, no self-talks. It's just literally just a state of being, just being in this blissful state of being, like the most blissful state that you could ever, ever imagine, times that by a thousand. Then you might have a little, 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 glimpse of what it's like to be i guess what people call in the afterworld and so i'm as i'm there and this is happening i'm looking at it and i see little light beams like so imagine a tunnel here and light like literally you can see everything happening at once so whenever you hear you know people talk about um the existence of whether it's God um, or energy, it's always is and always will be and always will be forever. Well, that's what I was looking at. So, so this is, I'm looking at the timeline and it was very linear, very definite. Here is the timeline. Everything outside of that, there was no time, absolutely no time. Literally, it's just like, imagine if you had like a tube and you can just step over now you're in hundred years or whatever years before you just step over. Now you're hundreds or thousands of years ahead or whatnot. It's like all happening at one time, which is fascinating and amazing. And as I'm looking at, as I'm looking at this and I'm looking down, I see these little light, 
these, it's almost like a light, um, I don't know, one, not a light beam, like, but like a light energy, like a ball of light. And I'm saying a little like small because I'm at a distance and I'm seeing them pop up and then go back down into these tubes. And so there's no gravity. So it's coming out in different directions. And then what that was, I instantly knew it was people astral projecting. I saw souls at their energy, astral projecting, coming out of this timeline and then going back in. It was almost like it was almost like when you're on the trampoline and you're jumping down and you go up. So imagine the trampoline being time and then you see what's that? Do you that? think that was less in consciousness? Do you think that's like somebody being conscious and then going unconscious? The 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 space because. How many times have I said something and I, I'm actually awake to it and I'm alert to it? And then all of a sudden I'll say it again like it's deja vu that I forgot I even knew that. Do you think it, it's our consciousness? Okay, so those light beams were actually souls or, or beings or, or humans, like not in the physical form. That's what right. that like, like that was what was coming out of there. Um, so, um, but some of those people, some of those beings were aware of that they were doing that and some were not aware. So it could have been like in their sleep when you're astral project or somewhere else, like astral projecting um, is very clear cut. You know, when you did it, it's, there's absolutely no question about it. You like, I was somewhere else somehow, some way, whether you were physically here and you're getting those messages or whether your, your internal soul, your consciousness went somewhere else. Either way, it's, it's. What, um, no matter how you look at it, it's that connection. Wow. And so, and on, and so I, as I'm saying that, I, I remember, um, you know, the, all this is, it's just science-based. It's not woo. woo I mean, it could be woo woo stuff. It is, it's all combined, but like one thing that comes to mind is that the C, the CIA back in the seventies, or, or I forgot when they had this thing on remote viewing. Like they have a whole program of remote viewing of how to do it. And they were investigating it and they have evidence about re remote viewing and that it actually works and they actually can do it. So, you know, it's like, look it up, like not you, but just anybody can look this stuff up and it's like, there's science behind this stuff. So, so you have this experience, what happens next? So I'm sitting there and there's this omnipresence there and i can't even say it's a voice because um you know your voice you hear words is more of an impression it's more of a thought you hear this thought and it just comes in instantly and the voice was what do you want to do now and what do you that question was do you want to stay or do you want to go back and instantly without blinking an eye so to say i was like i want to go back I have things to do. I have lives to touch. You know, I have a positive influence to put back on the, the earth. And probably, and I, I remember, I, I don't remember the journey back. I just remember the journey there. It was literally like just a moments later, I was back in my, back in my room and everything changed from that moment. Then from that moment, I instantly knew that nobody, nobody can hurt you. Nobody can hurt me. The only suffering that ever, ever, ever happens is up in our head. And that is it. It's we as human beings make things so much harder than what they actually are. Yes. Amen to that.
I, I feel like I've been experiencing that in my own life. And what I loved about our conversation is you confirmed it for me. Oh, that's awesome. Like I love these conversations because what it does for me is confirm I'm in the right place. I'm on the right path. Like I, I was saying, I started a lot of the transformational work because I thought something was wrong with me. And, and I actually became a hairdresser because I, something was wrong with me. I didn't look cute and I needed to fix looking cute. So I look like I, bl- I fit in and then I cleaned it all up and then decided I was going to help other people because it's how I help myself. And, and that's what I did. I was like, okay, well, but something's still broken on the inside. I got to still do what people who know what they're doing do in order to belong in this world. So then I took these courses in order to like learn how to do things. And what was missing was the being. So why I was so resonating with what you said was the beingness. Like we're so busy doing the things that we think if we do it, it's going to have us be happy, successful. And you were doing it all day and night. Like you were cooking, cleaning, taking care of the kids, working at night by yourself on your own project. And you worked yourself to being ill. I'm going to, what I love about your timeline is you got sick, what it took for you to just walk from the bed to the mailbox, which we take for granted how easy it is, right? I could walk right outside right now and get to my mailbox. What it took for you to teach yourself how to walk to your mailbox and to start walking. And if you think of timeline and how short of a time span it's relatively, it's taken for you to get to where you're at today, with your new vision and your new mission and your new purpose by having seeing what you've seen compared to all those years you were staying up all night working. Like, definitely, definitely. And like, there's a part in, in people who come out and people who do the work and, and really dig deep and get to the point where you're not, um, you can, you could release negative energy easy as it comes in. You can release yourself. And but really, I went through a transformation. When you come up with the other side, you kind of wish um, at some point that you would have come across this sooner. It's like, I wish I could tell people, you need to go through the journey. It's worth it. It's worth all the pain and suffering. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You're going to, when you set on the, on the mission to, for growth and to learning the healing, what, one thing I, I noticed is that very few, um, let's just say coaches or mentors or leaders really explain how difficult it's going to be. You're going to be challenged. It's going to be difficult, but if you keep on going, oh my gosh, it is so well worth it. And, in the, and within those short period of time, you're right. That short period of time outshadows the last 47 years before that and amount of work that I was able to accomplish with my body and my mind and my spirit. Absolutely. And watching you do it is so inspiring. You know, just even us getting on this call and I, I ended up not wanting to have that conversation with you in advance because I, I knew how important it was for people to hear what you're saying. And how did you prepare for this call? Because I know that you even did your own mental exercises and things that you do every day to prepare for this because it becomes the non-negotiable. It becomes how to, how to live. Um, I didn't really prepare um, for the call. 
other than like, I, I do have some memory going through everything that I went through with the nervous system and um, me leaving my body and experiences, my time, my memory has gotten a little kind of wacky, uh, just kind of the symptoms, which is okay, because I learned that what my body is doing, it's releasing memories that I don't remember. And I'm, it's, it's opening my mind for stuff, um, more information to come back in. So I'm totally good with that. And so I, this goes back to your, your question of how I prepared. I, I have notes that I take. This is what I take around with me all, all the time. And then, so I have different sections for my, my daily to-dos um, and then different areas of my life that I want to focus on, whether um, it's art, my business, spiritual, physical, um, finances and stuff like that. And so I keep that around with me. And so if I have something to remember it down, but so what I've learned to do is write down, write down as much stuff, but in prep preparation, I didn't really prepare because this is my life. I've lived it so much. Literally, I have meditated for hours on days for years on end, not because I wanted to, it was because I was have to, I had to, and I was forced to. However, meditating has really, it's really one of the keys, slowing down the mind, learning how to regulate your thoughts of what's coming through learning how to regulate your your breath and your blood work is really really key into any kind of growth like right. you you will you will hit plat plateaus so i guess what i'm saying is that this is what i lived and breathed in my head of my my story of what i went through and it was so impactful i could repeat this all like tomorrow I might add more details and say it in a different way. It all depends who I'm talking to because sometimes people get overwhelmed with the details. And then sometimes like I want to hurry up and get to the point, like here's the point. And so like every time I tell the story, I might add, like I might integrate a little bit more information that I didn't before. I love it so much. And actually people ask me how I prepare to host my mastermind. And I say to them, I either meditate or I take a nap. I don't study anymore. I don't <laughs> do anything. I like actually do self-care. Because yes. how I show up to all of this is truly I take a nap. I'm I'm just refreshed and happy and energized. So I'm alert and awake when I'm here. And and then I'm I'm in the presence and conscious when we're having a conversation. Because I did at one point come up with questions and it was on my first interview. And then I was so into my questions, I missed what she was answering. And I was like, oh, oh yes. my God, it would not work for me because I don't, I don't pay attention the same way if I'm missing the moment. So I've learned taking a nap or meditation is my preparation <laughs> for the interviews. <laughs> and that's awesome. And so one thing I, we, um, we talk about in uh, martial art that I study is emptying the cup. And I'm, I'm sure you heard this before. It's a, it's a time. I think it's a Chinese prophet. You know, um, I, my martial arts master told me the story. You know, he repeats it to other people. Is is a young um, let's just call him a grasshopper because a young student was at it with the master, and um, the young student just kept on asking questions and questions and questions and questions. And so the the martial arts master or the, the the master was pouring tea into the cup, and the master just kept on pouring, 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 and it's spilling all over the place. And the young student was thinking he's going to stop and he didn't. And then eventually the student said, stop, how come you're doing this? Like you're, it's full. It's the can't take anymore. And he said, but imagine the key 
the, the, I mean, the cup is like your mind. In order for you to put more stuff in there, you need to em- empty that. And so that's, I, I knew that, but it wasn't until years of reflection of just like what you're talking about, preparing for something, you're emptying the cup, you're emptying your mind, you're letting all that stuff go so you can engulf the new experience or the new information, whatever, whatever it is. So important. So that's awesome. That's so awesome. And one thing I wanted to comment, I love watching your interviews is because they, they're like, um, it's like what you said. I, I thought at first when I saw your, your interviews that you would have questions. Like I assume everybody has questions, but then after a while, I was like, you have just conversations with people, which makes it awesome. (laughs) <laughs> Which is cool because because wherever the conversation is going, you you come up with intriguing questions of how to direct or, or what to dig out of people. So which is which is pretty cool. Well, I love it so much because I realize it, it's it's the flow. We're in the flow and the energy is leading where it's going to go. And if I come with an agenda, because I hear I do have an agenda. My agenda is to have have it be so inspiring and enlightening and awakening that somebody sees what's possible for themselves. Somebody sees, wow, I feel that way, or I'm that excites me. I'm going to go take action. I physically am excited that someone has an experience that they're moved to take action. So if I did have an agenda, that is what it is. I, I would love to create an arena that someone sees what's possible for them for themselves through the conversation that has them move, touch, and inspire to take action. So that is the behind the scenes agenda. And my I have a global vision that this becomes where we get to touch people all around the world. And when That's I used so awesome. to have these conversations in my chair at the salon, I would always be like, Oh my God, I wish people could like, there would be flies on the wall and people could hear what we're talking about. And these conversations are literally like what I used to dream about. I wish that the world could participate in what we're talking about. Cause yesterday when I was talking to you, I'm like, the whole world needs to hear your story. The whole world gets to hear how there's dads who have taken on, I will raise the children. I will do my my job in the middle of the night to not take away from family time they have we have we have chosen roles because i did the same thing as a mom i had chosen my role and i was living my role and yes. one of the things that i knew because i'm you and i both know how powerful our words are right i had said this was before i got married before i met my husband i said if a guy has too much time to spend with me he's not working hard enough Oh, wow. So what did that bring in for you? Well, a husband who worked very, very, very hard and was never home ever. And to a point where when we were passing his job on the freeway, because we could see it off the 405, my children who were young said, that's where daddy lives. We were passing by his work and they were like three and five. And they said, that's where daddy lives. How did that hit you in the gut? Yes and no, because I know I'm so powerful. And when I share what I share, of course, I manifested that. And I said, thank you so much to him all the time for being willing to to have that position 
because it helped me feel safe knowing he was out there working. And I thought financially, if I had all the security, I was going to be happy. And then at night, I would cry myself to sleep in the shower. I would cry. And then to and from work, I would cry. And then I was like, I didn't even know. I honestly didn't know that I was walking around feeling sorry for myself. Oh, and we were talking about this yesterday, how I would tell the story in such a way that, cause you know, I'm a hairdresser. I talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> I tell my story <laughs> repeatedly all day. And so every time I told my story, I knew when people would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And, I was, and, and my brain would go, see, what I'm living is terrible. And it would justify my sadness. And it wasn't until somebody said to me, you know, Louisa, I just, I could be enrolled in that story, but I don't see you that as that weak. I see you kind of stronger than that. And if I buy that story, it makes you weak. And it was the first time. And for all the people, you know, we want to be relatable. If you're telling your story, you want to be like, oh, right. And then you feel like I heard you. Validation. Right. How many people say, you know what? I see you way, way more capable than that. I see you way stronger than that. Imagine when the doctors were calling and saying, you are, be prepared, you're dying. What if you were, what if you bought that? You'd be dead right now. But you didn't buy that. Your brain went, uh-uh. I'm, I remember you saying to me yesterday, I'm not going down like this. I want to hear what, what the shift was that was like, I'm not going down like this. So, you know, there was that, that particular moment where I said, I'm going back and I'm going to be doing work on, on this earth. And then there was an, actually an, another moment that happened where the pain got so great. Like I, I told myself, like when I was a kid, a teenager, that I would never kill myself. And I bring that up is because I already knew that my, my mental health um, uh, was often left field. It wasn't really, they had some mental health issues. Let's just say that. And I learned, that's why it got me into the mindset of learning how to train my mind and learning how to train it. And then so, so I, I bring that up is because when I've talked to other people, I, I know it that they would give up. They would kill themselves because the, the, the nerve pain is so, so great. I, I was on opioids um, and really heavy medications. Um, and I had decided that year to get off of them earlier that year to get off all, all the pain meds because it was, it was a downhill, downhill spiral. Mm-hmm. So I'm dealing with nerve pain without any pain meds, which was really, really difficult. And it was even to the point, not to the point, but my, um, I went to see a, a neurologist and he was surprised that I was able to walk as well as I was walking when he looked at my, um, my report for the um, neuropathy. He's like, I'm surprised that you could, you could walk. He's like, most people who have this level and this level of neuropathy have problems walking in which I, at a point I had to use a, um, a walking stick to walk. Like even with the walking stick, he was saying I could walk really well for, for the things I went with. So in November, 2019, the pain was extremely bad 
extremely painful. And that was the first time ever in my whole life, first in a lifetime that I ever cursed. Um, I don't know what you would want to say, what people call God, the universe, the creator source and all that stuff. Like it was one of those curses where it's just why, like, why are you doing this to me? And, you know, I've always, I've always known just like what you talked about is I know words are so powerful. Like even saying those words, I had to refrain from saying those words, Never did, nor did I ever was in that position, that mindset to even think the victim mentality. But that was that one moment I, I did that. And immediately after that, I was just like, like nothing happened, nothing changed. I got that out of my system. I was, I was pissed off at everything all at once for a brief moment of time. And I said, screw that. I said, F that. If I'm going to go down, I'm going down fighting. Like this pain, this pain was, the pain that I got was from the middle, my, from my chest right here, all the way through the back. Like, like if somebody had an ice pick that put it through my heart and I could feel it coming out my, my back, not just there, but I used to have a pain on top of my head right here. Like a railroad spike was going straight, straight down and through the middle of my brain that's how painful this this was like the wind would blow and it would hurt my skin so i'm sitting there in that moment where i and literally like it was almost felt like a split of a second probably 5 10 15 seconds but when i cursed the world and i said screw that i'm going down if i'm gonna die if my my destiny is to die fine so be it i will die we all die sometimes some way we cannot we can con- control it to a certain extent. The only way we can control it is by taking our own life. That is it. We can't control anything else. When it's our time to die, it's our time to die. And I said, screw that. I got things to do. I want to be here and live as long as I can, as healthy as I can, and flourish as much as I can. If I'm going to go down, I'm going down swinging. If I'm going to die, well, screw it. I'm going to thrive while I'm doing it. If I'm going to die, I'm going to be creating my art and influencing people and helping people. And that's the very first thing that I want to do is help people. I will be on my deathbed trying to figure out how to help people. I will not sit, be sitting there idling and going, okay, my time is done. I'm going to wait those few seconds out. I might enjoy those last few seconds, last few moments, but that is it. We are here on this earth. It's like a puzzle piece. We all have these different strengths and weaknesses. We're all made to help each other. We fit into each other. We have strengths and weaknesses that we can help this person in this area. And there might be somebody else that can help you in another area, but it's like a puzzle. If we figure out how to help people in the areas that we can thrive in and ask for help or gain help or pay for people help, the whole world will, will just be smoother, be happier. We can do what we want to do. We could... We can enjoy life. We can enjoy nature. We can enjoy what this, this earth has to offer. Enjoy the human experience that we are in right now in the present moment. Exactly. 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 And that physically lights me up. When you said that yesterday, I was like, oh my God, right? Like how many people, and I said this earlier, I was on a conversation. I was like, the only reason we wake up in the morning is because we didn't die the night before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to cry. I woke up today and I have today. And, you know, when I became a hairdresser, is because I really thought, like, 
I didn't just think I wasn't super cute at all to a point where my dad said it recently to me, he goes, you know, you guys weren't that cute growing up. And we were like, Oh, <laughs> ouch. Ouch. I know I'm dying laughing. And I said, but I mean, they made us think we were so special. And, he, and I said, but you made us think we were so special. And he goes, well, you were mine. What was I going to do? And I was dying laughing because I really was so not cute. And I felt like someone should always hug me and hand me some gel or figure out my hair. And so I thought. Wait, gel? Gel. Gel oh, from my gel, hair. Gel. Oh, gel. Okay, so picture how, look, okay, see, see how much hair I have? I have an insane amount of hair. But what it was was short and it grew up like this. It was like how the boys are wearing their hair right now. Like I look like somebody's grandmother, but I was in sixth grade. Yeah. That's what I look like. Somebody's grandmother in sixth grade. It got even better. I had a bump here. This is a nice nose job. So I had a bump here. I had acne and I had hair. So it gets even better. So I now I'm friends with people who I was friends with during that time. And I reconnect with them. And this is what they say to me. Oh, my God. This is the little girl I remember. Have you seen how much work I put into this? <laughs> and so what, what I feel, because even one of them, she goes, you know, every time everybody wanted to copy my homework, you never did. I hang, I hung out with you and this is what you would say. Do you want to play hair and makeup? And I have always had childlike wonder. I love joy. I love spirited fun. I love connection and I love beautiful people. So all my friends, even then, which was kind of strategic, were really smart and beautiful because I was like, if you're smart and beautiful and I get to hang out with you and you choose to hang out with me, I felt great because I was like smart and beautiful people hang out with me. And I felt like I was cool because I was hanging out with all the smart and beautiful people. All my friends now are smart and beautiful. Everybody I'm around is smart and beautiful because I see everybody as beautiful. Like how when people saw me and they were like, this is the little girl I remember, it's because our soul is what's smiling. I didn't realize no one else was seeing me the way I saw me as the not so cute child. And they were seeing my personality. They were seeing how much I experienced life and how I love joy. And so, so was this like a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, was this a long process or was there a particular moment that you, you had that aha, that beauty is, is within? I only had that a couple months ago. It only came to me now when I have oh, wow. reconnected with people from that age range that they were like, I want to see you. And I said, okay. And then I got to see them and they were like, this is the little girl I remember. And I thought, how interesting. I really thought I had done all this work. I am now worthy of love, worthy of being seen that way. Because- Well, you know, yeah. the first time that we did a one-on-one, um, like FaceTime or Zoom call, um, 
I think I told you your, your, your beauty within, and you probably weren't in there. Like you're a, you're a beautiful person. And it's not just outwardly, it's your beauty within shows through. Like you could see it in your, you could like, I don't know how to explain it. Like when I see it in people, I see it right here come out and you have that inner beauty. And we, everybody does. We, we all do. It's people choose to change it or hide it or suppress it. So when people see that, that's what I see in you is that inner, that inner beauty coming out of you. Thank you. I feel like this work opens that up. This work, like I keep getting messages. A friend of mine sent me a message the other day. He goes, what are you doing lately? You look spicy. And I was like, and you know what I love about that because I, I've been working on allowing the spicy to come out, you know, like That's I've awesome. been kept within like controlled space and I've actually put some effort in to allowing spicy to come out. And what's, how do you feel up, like? You're, you're smiling when you're doing that and it, you're connecting with yourself. You're expressing yourself. That is so awesome. That is cool. Well, cause all of this work connecting with you and you know what I loved about connecting with you in the arena that we met in, we were in a generous giving space, right? Like we were actually contributing. And when I thought about myself, when I was growing up, I didn't think I had anything to contribute. I really didn't think I had the value to participate in a way that somebody would need feedback from me. And as I started to participate, I realized how much value I actually had and the difference I was making by participating. And when you said you're here to make a difference, to live full out, to live that life, it's exactly it kind of happened slowly. It was like ice melting. I, it happened slowly that I started to see why I was doing this work. At first, it was just so I could fit in. I wanted to do what smart people did. I wanted to look like I knew what I was doing. I wanted to feel like I belonged. At was, what point in this journey do you realize that like most everybody on this whole earth doesn't really know what they're doing? They're just trying to figure it out. Like, have you like we were just trying to move from one to the next and trying to achieve goals, but internally, nobody knows what they're doing. True. Like, we're just trying, we're trying to, we're trying to make things happen. So like, as this journey, was there a particular point that you realized that like, it's okay to not know it's okay to, to yes. not. Yeah. And, and I also think it's amazing how many people are like stuck in a specific story. Like, I've always been like this, so I can't change. And I'm like, well, I was always the way I was too. And I was able to change. So one of the reasons I do this and I am, I love that we're on because you didn't follow what was your trajectory. I didn't follow mine. Just because you were sick didn't mean you bought your story. Just because I felt bad I didn't buy my story, but I did start to listen to, you know, I, I always say this, like we collect evidence. Are we collecting evidence in the, that, that serves us or it gets in our way? Cause we're collecting evidence. We're scanning for everything. Yes. I wake up in the morning and I'm scanning all day long. Yes. All the time. And that's where, and that's, um, I don't know if people really 
understand understand that that's one one ways we get intuition it's like our bodies are in tune with stuff that we're not even aware of things that we can't physically see are here and we're getting feedback all the time and if we're able to quiet our mind and tune in and listen to ourselves and understand where those messages might be coming from it will definitely help us progress and move ahead in life absolutely and they're all coming from something that happened when we were a child you know for me the reason i wanted a husband who worked so much is because i was looking for safety and security it wasn't now, that what I- in your childhood did uh-huh. you did you witness um did you experience that with your family of origin where the instability or or did you have a role model of a male supposed to do this I did both. I had a, a male is supposed to do this. And then I also, because they fought over money so much, I had, I thought if I become the supportive rock of a wife and give the man everything he needs to succeed, then he will go out in the world and be successful in the breadwinner. I achieved that. I did achieve that. It still left a hole in my heart because I didn't have a partner. I didn't know what I was asking for. And that's why I think it's so important to listen to our thoughts and to why, for example, when I remember being home when I was a kid and not feeling really great, I went to work as a waitress and all of a sudden I felt great because I was around people. I remember saying to myself, mental, no, you didn't feel good earlier by yourself. Now you're around people. You feel good. I scanning, 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 making mental notes. Now we put those notes together and go, what do they all mean? Who am I? So, you know, it's interesting that you say that as far as the trauma and and, uh, childhood is because that's where most stories are are stuck. Most human beings are are stuck in the childhood. Um, I don't just want to say trauma because... I don't want to define it just with trauma because there could be things that aren't really traumatic, but that get solidified messages that get solidified, whether in our brain or in our body. And that's really important. And, um, and you're right. Most people do get stuck in that story and it's the whole brain. We don't like change. We like things that are the same. So we try to, our, our subconscious mind, will try to keep things in the same. That's what keeps people stuck most of the time and and repeating that process. And that's just the way the brain works. That's just neuroscience. We get on something and it wants to be efficient and it wants to stay in that position. It wants for the most part to keep you safe before it wants to, wants to thrive. And that all comes down to belief systems. It's how we perceive, how we perceive events happening to us, whether they're traumatic events or whether they're good events, you can have um, two different belief systems on um, getting getting hurt or getting abused and typically we're when a person is in that moment being being inflicted by negativity whether it's physical or mental we're in the moment we're in the survival mode. we're not really thinking this person can be we want to get out typically get out of that situation and it doesn't feel good and so in that particular moment it's usually some sort of thoughts to get us out of their negativity like to run or something like that or to fight fight it off but if we can change how we think about that, when those moments come, they will be easy peasy. They won't affect us. They won't drain us or they won't bring up old triggers. And that's really important. I noticed that I was talking with a couple of friends and they were, um, 
Um, they thought that they, they dealt with um, past uh, issues that came up with um, something to do with um, their parents. And then now they're dealing with their kids. And it, it, um, they even told me, like, I thought I dealt, dealt with this. And as I'm talking with them over the last couple of weeks, I'm realizing that they didn't deal with the trauma that stems right back. And, and I wasn't like, I'm just a friend. It's not like I'm coaching or anything like that. But after discovering, they were, they were able to going all the way back to when they were a kid and identify, identify how, not how, but identify the moments that they think the trauma set in. And it's just like, life is like an onion. You peel that layer off, and there's going to be one more layer underneath it, which is awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, my ex-husband was a dirt bike rider, so he had the goggles for when he would ride. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, yes. I decided to wear the goggles when I was cutting the onions in my house because there are there are ways <laughs> to stop crying. Like, I don't have to cry every time. I cut onions. Like, I, I go through a process now, and I actually love it. And I actually love crying. I didn't used to love crying. I used to think it was weak. I used to think that like, I would get so upset if like anybody else was crying. And if I was crying, I'd be like. <gasps> but you know what? It's funny. It's funny that you say that because I, this is one of those things I was thinking about recently over the last couple of months is I used to cry a lot, not too much in front of people. And I had no problem crying. Like sometimes I'll tear up having a conversation and, um, and now it's not really um, like coming from a negative place. It's usually like so much is coming in where you're touching in with what source of creativity or just being authentic. It's like in the body, you're getting this full experience and sometimes it comes up as crying. But get back to what you're saying. I used to like crying because there's a there's a release of energy like there's. I think there's like a physical thing that I read one time that's things happen when you cry. You literally have a physical release. So if you can couple that with after you're crying of reinforcing that with with empowering belief systems, you're right on the track of of having those chemicals in your body and solidifying positive beliefs and tracks that you're going ahead. It was a perfect, perfect time to reframe um, your belief system. I love that you said that because. I used to do it backwards. So I would cry, talk about like reinforcing and imprinting, right? I would cry because I was like, oh, poor me, I'm feeling sad for myself, blah, blah, blah. And I would take pictures of my eyes so I could remember my pain. I like was so enrolled in my pain. I would like literally take pictures of my sad eyes and be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, right? Look at me. I'm so sad, right? I have it so bad. I bought it. I I bought my pain. I was like, and that's why it's so fascinating now because I think about how many people are like, you have no idea, Louisa, what I'm going through. I'm like, oh, I do. (laughs) I do. The only reason I'm not jumping in there with you because the one person who changed my life was the one who chose not to jump in there with me. I am clear as day why you're crying i can hand you my phone so you could take pictures of your eyeballs too (laughs) (laughs) but you know what's so funny that seems to be a common element in societies today when you go on social media you see somebody there with the i'm trying to get in the picture of the cell phone oh and they're and and 
and don't get me wrong, I'm not diminishing. They're feeling a real experience. Do I know? But for some reason, there's a human commonality that we want to share with somebody and that person to validate and confirm of what we're feeling is okay. It's right. And then we get stuck there. It's like a loop. I know. And, and it goes back to like, when I did it, I got the response I was looking for. There was a payoff. I felt validated. I continued doing it because I, and the more I did it, the more right I was, the more the world kept giving me things to be right about. I just kept getting more things to be right about. And I was like, I like affirmation bias. I'm like, I, I like winning and I'm losing here because I keep getting more shit to be right about. That is not in my favor. I have a question and, for you. Yeah. When when you started rephrasing your story and you started phrasing it more in a positive, empowering sense, when you when the first time you re, retold your story in a positive sense, what did that do internally? Did you feel stuff changing? Did you like how did that work? It took a long time. It didn't happen overnight. I kept catching myself still like wanting to tell the other story. It just got less and less, less. But initially I would tell one good story, 10 bad ones. And now I tell nine good ones and one bad one. And because there is always a payoff in what I want to be right about. And when I get to tell the other story, I don't, I don't have to be so powerful. And I, something about it is still like, it's almost, um, it's like a habit, you know, it's the, that like, I still, it's, it's definitely still, a habit. Yeah. And it still has, because that's a belief system. It also so has go back what you're of it about. too. Like, I feel like I have, I've, I'm, I've worked through an unworthiness conversation where I, I felt because I grew up with phenomenal parents, but I felt like I had to earn their love. And, and it was a sneaky thing. Like, they would give me everything, but they still somehow controlled me. I had everything, but even recently, and, and this is a, a key thing. So my dad said, do not, I know you're working really hard, but don't lose control of your children. It's like a bird, let them fly, but have a string over the, around their foot. So they can only go so far. Obviously he raised me that way. I always had a string on my foot and I didn't know it. So I can only go so far because on some level, I didn't feel like I could live life independently because they still always wanted to be taking care of me. And they always felt like they needed to. And, and, and I'm going to reframe this in a way. So when I was growing up, my dad used to say to me, watch other people to how they do it and do it like them. I interpreted that to mean I'm not doing it good enough. Other people are watch them. And so as I was growing and I only got this information to like four or five years ago that I, I like took it the way, not the way my dad meant it, but I, I understood it like I wasn't good enough. And I always felt like I had to earn love. So I would do things to confirm that. And what I started to tell myself was all of this work that I do every day builds how I feel. And being around someone like you, it, it, it makes me feel like the work that we're doing, it works because it's just me going another confirmation that if we stay on this daily habit of reprogramming our brain, 
we then become the type of people who get to change the world, get to create an impact, get to live the life of our dreams, get to live our purpose, get to leave a legacy, get to actually wake up and be conscious all the time as not all the time, because there are times where I'm not conscious. And I, and then I find myself going, oh my God, but I catch it now. And so when I'm around you, when you're sharing your story and you're sharing all of the things that you have done and do, it's affirmation and confirmation that I'm on the right path. You definitely are. And when I've seen you, when we first started talking and then from now, it's definitely light years ahead. It's like right now, it seems like you, Louisa, everything's starting to solidify more. It's like you had everything and now it's becoming, you're becoming, um, I wouldn't say rock solid, but you're, you're, it's like you're, you're stepping in and you're like, like a half step away of just having it all come together. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I see you the same way. Like when we were together doing this work, we were just in contribution, right? We were like, let's give, let's give, let's give. And just the beingness, which is fantastic. And then there's this like moment where you're like, oh, I'm ready. Right? Like <laughs> this, this is, I finally physically feel that space. But what's interesting is when I was a kid and I would take uh, aerobics classes, you know, have you ever taken an aerobics class? No, but I, no, <laughs> just but no. I, okay. So there's the glass doors, picture this, there's glass doors, there's the step aerobics, and then there's the instructor. So the glass doors would open and we would all hustle in just like you'd run into a club. Everybody had, <laughs> everybody knew where their step was. And I was a kid and I was so excited. I love taking aerobics. So I would get there and then the instructor would be teaching and I could hear her voice. And it's like super loud because the whole class has to hear you. And I'm like physically excited because she's energizing me with her voice. My entire life, I pretended that was me. Every class I've ever taken, I pretended that was me in the front of the class teaching that class. And then I'm also the same girl who's never saying happy birthday out loud because I was terrified of what if I don't sound good. My entire life has been wanting to be the one on the stage leading it and terrified. That <laughs> so on Thursday, I'm getting interviewed in Montecito on an actual stage near Oprah's house, but not Oprah's house, but near her house. And it is going to be a live interview. So that is one of my very so cool. first experiences. I'm super excited about that. And I really do feel like I'm right there. It's, it's happening. I, I really, in my bones, feel it. Well, you know, one thing I realized, like whenever, whenever I look at things and, and you know this already, it's already happened. Like you set this emotion already. Yes. Like even if you wanted to stop, it's going to take a lot of energy for you to stop this train in the path that you're on. And you know that already. Like, I do. It's just, and I could see you smile. You just had like, that smile is a little different smile than other smiles. That is authentic inside your soul, touching into whatever you want to call it. And it's coming out, which is really it cool. Is. But you know what? It's confirmation of like, 
you know, when you said you're in that space and what you experienced was beingness, you, yes. like, that is, there's nothing more powerful. There, there isn't, there- that's, that, that's it. And that's what, like, that's, you hear all these, um, all the pe- people, you hear them talk about it is, is whenever you do affirmations, whenever you do something, you've got to feel it. Whenever you're thinking about your goal and your future, you've got to feel it. And that is key. Like, once you start feeling it, your body will start resonating at the levels to allow that stuff to come in literally, physically, at a frequency. Not woo-woo stuff. Not like I'm, I'm a law of attraction, think it, and automatically comes in no your body will physically react differently by feeling it when you feel it and you think it and you're able to tap into there that's when the magic happens and maintaining that that's that's what is that feeling that love feeling is the most powerful thing you could ever imagine that it is supersedes any kind of fear, any kind of doubt that you could imagine. So whenever you feel that tap into it, utilize it, capitalize it and squeeze as much out of it as you can. Absolutely. Remember yesterday we were talking about being a badass and, and it's like, people used to say to me, Oh my God, you're so cool for like flying to LA every month and doing your clients. And I was like, it just was who I was. I never thought about it, but what I would stick to were the stories that like didn't work in my favor, but then I would hear something like that. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's natural. Like I'm going to fly here. I want to do my clients. I didn't realize I had so many powerful qualities. I just ignored them. So now I'm just like, I collect all the powerful qualities and I'm like, this is so cool, but I love that we're doing this a lot. You know why? Because I feel like people are going to hear themselves and hear where they are seeing their own thoughts and and conversations within ours. And it's going to bring people back to tapping into their moments where they've had these thoughts and experiences. And all of a sudden, they're going to be like, I'm special. I'm remarkable. I'm capable. Because... What they didn't get to hear you say is how much effort it took for you to, we were talking about getting to the mailbox and then learning to go one more step down the street and and then halfway around the block and then all the way around the block. And it didn't happen overnight, but your level of patience, your level of commitment, your level of rigor is was so inspiring to me because I lo- I heard one day someone say, education is built on itself. It doesn't, you're not like 10 years smarter today. It took 10 yes. years to build that. And all I have to do, and Jeff Hoffman, who's like my mentor, my idol, my everything. And he he's the he's the man who embodies to me being this. His, his I, I see him as so solid, so powerful, and so present that nut, he's unshakable. What I love about the way he shows up and how unshakable he is, is this knowingness of what, why he's here. Yes. And that, that's, um, that's awesome. Like knowing that and then living it, like I knew it, but I wasn't living it. And that's one of the things that like ended up with my health is because I wasn't being 
I wasn't fulfilling my, my purpose. I wasn't living my life. I wasn't living who I was. That is now, like I've always accepted it, but now I made a decision to actually show people and actually walk my path. I've been trying for the last 50 years to walk my path. I knew it, but now I'm owning it. And so right. I think there's a lot of people who know it, but they aren't owning it. And when you own it, it's like, this is what I'm here on the earth for, which is awesome. Like, like you, there's nobody in the world that can convince me that I'm not here to inspire people, to help people, to create art, create jewelry, create designs, to invoke thought, to help people move along, to qu have people question themselves and reality and their, their being and what they're here for. Absolutely. And I'm inspired. Like yesterday, our conversation, I was like, oh my God, there's people who speak on stages and that they, they like are amazing, but I'm speaking to you and I am so lit up about who you are, what you're doing, the way you show up and how powerful you are that I literally was like, there's human beings out in the world who are amongst us that are just as powerful as world leader on stage speakers. And one of the reasons I really wanted you to like share your story is so real human beings who aren't traveling the world and speaking on stages, you're so relatable. You're so, so human. Thank, thank you. And I, I don't cr take credit for that at all is because that's one thing that I, I knew and I know that me telling my story is going to help other people in some way, shape or fashion. It's not going to help everybody. It's going to help people. And I don't take credit for that at all because I'm just telling, I'm just sharing my experience. There's nothing on my part, like other than the, like the universe, God, source, collective consciousness, whatever you want to name it, feedback is I'm here to tell my story, the things that I, I've been through to relate to people. And I love connecting with people. And that's one thing I realized. I love talking with people. I love talking with people on one-on-one. I love in small groups. And then as a kid, I envisioned myself talking in front of large groups of people and I didn't know how or when and even though I still don't know the how and when I just know well, you know what I know one thing I'm here to share my story with people and it's going to resonate and it's going to help people that is just it and now yeah. it's time for me to share my story with people and I'm literally right now out at ground zero at the peak of the turning point of my whole life of turning everything around, literally my lease agreement, I signed it today for my new place. I was living in a hotel for the last month and a half. Before that, I lived at a friend's house for one week and that got old. I'm like, I needed a place to pay. So I've been living off of credit cards, paying for the hotel, wow. paying almost double the rent that you would normally pay. Um, not knowing. So month and I think it's month and a half ago is, it's one of those things, be careful what you ask for. Like literally I tell people, be, be careful what you ask for. Like, because I was thinking this is what I wanted. I don't know how, but like, I need to be and live in this certain area for, for my boys because I had to move out of the area for a divorce, didn't have enough money to live in the area, um, to afford a place. But for, my well-being and their well-being, like I want to be closer to them because I only had 
30% custody of them because I live so far. So I got them on the weekends and during and summertime and only because I was so far, but I'm like, it would be better. Like just life would be better. I can manage things. I can handle things by me being closer. I've been thinking about this. If I was only closer, if I was only close, closer and literally I did not plan this out from one day to the next two days, my whole life, changed around again and i'm at a friend's house sleeping on the floor while my son is sleeping on the couch not knowing where we're going to live the next couple of days so i was able to extend that for a week got a hotel room got some credit cards for um i got it for a month not knowing what i'm going to do after that fortunately some um some extra money came in now I'm able to extend that a little bit longer. Like over the last couple of weeks, extra money came in. I started looking for a place, but I can't qualify for an apartment because my because I'm because um, I have I'm getting alimony and child support, which I have no qualms telling people about because, like most women are in this position where they give up their careers and their life to raise the family, and that's where I was. I was Mr. Mom, spent all that time, but. I can't qualify in the rent in California and LA area or Orange County, you know, to be around my kids. So I got this extra money and things lined up. Now I got a granny flat. I can live like, like in it, the rent is a lot less um, than I even anticipated. So now it's like literally, literally today is the day I will be going. Okay. When, when I wrote out my plan, of waking up in the morning, having my coffee, getting in the sauna, showering up, doing some meditations, then doing artwork or designing, and then get into the business. Literally, like I was doing parts of these, like little bits and pieces where I can fit them in. It is happening now. Like I've designed my daily life. I'm like, so excited. Like,